Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast. On today's episode, we break down Kansas as the national champions, and March Madness has come to a close. What would it take to trade for DK Metcalf? What would your team have to give up? And then baseball starts this Thursday. Opening day is here. It is right around the corner. So Matt and I break down every division in baseball. Who's going to win? Who your MVP is going to be? What bets to make? And of course, who we're picking to hoist the trophy at the end of the season this year. But first, you know what time it is. You got to run that music. Let's go. Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome to the pod today. I am your host, Matt Guest, with me out in Las Vegas, Nevada, where Christmas is over. March Madness has ended, my friend. Matt Morris, what's up, buddy? How are you? What's up? Yeah, man, uh, March Madness is over, but here in Vegas, we are now looking forward to the NFL draft at the end of the month. Hell that yeah. should be very exciting, uh, very exciting weekend. I think we're going to have, obviously, a lot of GMs, teams, coaches in town. And uh, again, I work on the strip, so hopefully get to mingle a little bit. Yeah, hell yeah. No, it'll be super fun. I'm stoked for uh, the draft out there in Las Vegas. Are they still thinking about having the players walk across the fountain at the Bellagio? Is that still part of the game plan? I know that was the deal the year in 2020 when uh, Goodell had it in his garage or in his garage in his basement. Are they still planning on that? Do you do you have any insider secrets for the layout? No, on all honesty, I was reminded that the draft was here like this week because the Grammys <laughs> yeah. were here this weekend. So, you know, right. we were kind of all talking about, OK, what's the next really big event that we should expect to hit, you know, our weekend trends? And it was, oh, the draft's at the end of the month. And it was like, holy shit, you know, like uh, being awarded the draft again, because obviously 2020 was a total lost wash. Right. Um, I, it would not surprise me if they do the fountains. I haven't heard anything about that. I mean, it would be super sick. It would be sick. And um, I don't know, there's just a lot of stuff coming to Vegas. They just approved the $3 billion basketball like complex as well. Yeah, um, I heard about the whole that. idea. Yep. Is to like hopefully entice the NBA to come, which I think is an amazing idea because we have we have T-Mobile Arena here, which houses the Golden Knights. But because it's Las Vegas, you know, entertainment capital of the world, I just assumed, hey, you could have a basketball team also play at T-Mobile. But, you know, Vegas locals that have been here for a while reminded me like not really like if you think about how much actual um, entertainment via music goes into T-Mobile, you can't really schedule around that Correct. as well as you can't home do games. 41 games. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Plus so, hockey in the same season yep. as basketball. 100%. So, yeah. So they would have to rebuild the new stadium that got approved. And then the uh, Formula One race is coming next year, which they've oh, laid out the actual shit. track. Yeah, and the track is sick. So I didn't know that. That's super uh-huh. cool. So there's uh there's obviously Las Vegas Boulevard that takes you all the way from MGM down to Fountain Blue, which will also be releasing in a few years or opening Resort World Win. Um, and they're gonna have the long stretch from basically I think Bellagio all the way down to the beginning of Win as like their breakaway. That's and then they're gonna so cut sick. what would that be? They're gonna cut east. Go up Koval, which is one of the streets right behind Las Vegas Boulevard. And that's where there's a couple like loops and turns for them. So it's a little more challenging, but 
they're going to allow them to open up the engines on Las Vegas Boulevard. It's going to be so sick. Dude, that's sick. So yeah. obviously for the hotels, like you could get a hotel room mm-hmm. um, where you could see the race straight from your room. Obviously, if you have a view of the street, that's I didn't I didn't even know they were doing that. That's Formula One is really blowing up. I didn't know it was such a big deal. Uh, I guess they have a Netflix doc or something. I guess that's yeah, why it's, it's become yeah. a little more popular. But that's fucking sick. I didn't know they were coming to Vegas. Well, and it's funny you said that. So I didn't realize it was getting big either. And then a few of my coworkers were like actually encouraging me to watch this Netflix I've heard series that they have because it's very dramatic and it goes into detail about all the teams and drivers and ownership into the the conflicts. And it's funny, like Netflix is making this a valuable sport in America. And it just goes to show you like what some of these other sports leagues that may not be um, bringing in the same kind of fandom they want, like major, major baseball. league baseball, we talk about all the time, <laughs> right? Like go showcase yourself. Like I'm stoked for formula one because a Las Vegas and having cars that go 250 miles an hour, that is ins- that genius idea. You know, go get a room at the Cosmo where you've got balconies on both sides and you can watch these guys literally just fly down the strip. But yeah, it's exciting, man. Yeah, that's freaking sick, dude. Um, other thing that brings me to Vegas every year almost is uh, March Madness. It just ended tonight. Kansas is our national champion. I did not pick them in my brackets. Um, they kind of gave me a lot of bad beats during the season. And that's the problem with betting on the games and knowing the teams that are in the tournament is you have this like false sense of, you know, a sour taste in your mouth with some of these teams. Kansas just happened to be that team for me. Uh, they were definitely the best team, though. They played a really phenomenal tournament, never really were down until this national championship game. They were down 15 at half, end up making the biggest comeback in national championship history, taking down the North Carolina Tar Heels, who had a super historic run for one of the Blue Blood schools. Um, they were pretty much down to their last six guys, couldn't really rotate anyone. Best player rolls his ankle. Second best player, I swear I was telling you off camera, looked like he got a concussion in the first half. Um, their third best player rolls his ankle. Their bench player uh, ends up going ahead and basically throwing up on the court. It was wild, man, but a super great tournament. I'm sad it's over. I didn't lose a ton of money, didn't win a ton of money. I broke even gambling, which is always good. Um, loved it, my man, loved it. Yeah, I think it's great for Kansas. And something I said to you off air here um, was an interesting little like tidbit I brought up on Instagram as I was scrolling yesterday. Both head coaches were both from the uh, the, the succession standpoint from Roy Williams. I thought that was really cool yep. for Roy, obviously, as well as college basketball. And I also kind of said to you with North Carolina not having the same expectations as they have in the last 15 years here, I just think ultimately they have to be happy with getting to this game. Obviously, they also had the opportunity with that 15 point lead to take the take the game to take the national title. But you can't go into the final game of the season as tired as they were running the rotational sets of a six man like they were. I think ultimately Kansas's depth here really paved the way for this championship. 100%. Bill Self has, you know, probably five, six, seven years left in him, but this national championship will cement his legacy because he's kind of the forgotten about dominant head coach in college basketball. Like what he's actually been able to do at Kansas, I think he's been there for what, Matt, 20 years now? He's been up there. He's, uh, and he is nominated into the College Basketball Hall of Fame. And uh, today they announced, or well, on the broadcast, they said that he's the first coach in Kansas's super long history of, you know, being an amazing powerhouse to win two national championships. This is Kansas. It was only their fourth title ever, Matt. Yeah. Which is super crazy to think about and really kind of puts my whole 
distaste uh for gonzaga into perspective too you know like even a school like fucking kansas they've only that was the 10th time they've ever made it fourth time they've ever won it and realistically they sh- they should have lost that game right yeah um it's not easy to win the tournament i still don't take back what i say don't don't get it twisted but it, it's it's a tournament it's not easy to win no one thought North Carolina was going to be there. The story of the tournament was the Peacocks, man, right? St. Peter's Peacocks were the best. Um, you know, I love the Carolina team. I'm not a big fan. Them taking down Duke to end Coach K's career. Super awesome story. Fantastic game. Um, and they delivered one of the best runs in recent memory. They took down Baylor, the defending champion, UCLA, um, one of the top teams in the country and a team that made the final four last year. They took down the Cinderella of St. Peter's. They take down Duke and coach K for the second time in like three weeks to end his career um, and just fall up a little bit and fall just a little bit short to the Kansas Jayhawks. A hell of a season by them. I'm a big fan of those kids. I'm really excited to see what the center Baycott does at the next level. Uh, I don't think the caveman, I forget his, I just called him the caveman manic. I think is his last name. I don't think he'll be a pro player, maybe a bench guy. Um, but those kids for Kansas, man, they've got some ballers and your boy, Remy Martin, bro. He ended up hitting some huge threes to, to kind of win them the game actually coming off the bench. Yeah. And I, again, back to Bill Self, I think this solidifies his career, but this also rejuvenates the North Carolina program. Losing Roy Williams 1, is a huge hit. Dude. Yeah, and recruiting, right? Like, how do you convince these kids to rebuild this program and to come and to join this program right away with the expectation that, hey, we don't really know how long it's going to take to get back to that, as you said, blue blood mentality. And the opportunity to strike is now with Coach K leaving, right? So North Carolina being here, beating Duke. This is immediately you walk into a family's home for a recruiting trip and you say, we are the dominant team in this conference and in this area now. And I think that in itself is what North Carolina is going to hold on their shoulders for the next 10 and 15 years. Continued success via recruiting over these next couple of years should keep them in sweet 16s, final fours. But you said it to win an actual national championship, a lot of luck involved. The teams that you mentioned that North Carolina was actually able to beat, what an incredible resume. Amazing I mean, run, dude. Guys, the teams that we like to win it all. Baylor had an opportunity. You really liked UCLA, right? The Peacocks were the story, as you said. I thought Duke with Coach K's final se- season would win it all. They knocked off the biggest guys, and at the end, they were tired. You can't blame them for being tired. Like That's what this tournament does to you. Yep, and they were one shot away, man. They blew the lead, but they they had a chance at the end. Uh, college basketball is the best. I will uh, I'll dearly miss it until next season. But hey, man, the episode's about baseball today. But first, we're going to talk a little football. So before we get into our baseball preview, which we're fired up, I got the notebook, you got the notebook, we did want to discuss something that you just mentioned here in the opener, that the draft is coming to Vegas, and one of the big rumors around the draft is that DK Metcalf's up for sale. He, and we want to make it clear, he hasn't made it known to the public, nor have asked for a trade. You just have a lot of big-name teams like the Chiefs and the Packers uh, that could use the services of a DK Metcalf and he falls into the trend now that's going on in the NBA or excuse me, in the NFL with these superstar receivers as he has one year left on his deal. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent and maybe he doesn't want to come back to Seattle. Right. So it might be in their best interest to get some assets. So this segment here, we just want to discuss Matt 
and I'll let you go first. What do you think it would take for Seattle to trade DK Metcalf? Personally, a first, a third, and a fifth is wow. my opinion here. Um, really? And I make the deal tomorrow. I make the deal tomorrow. Uh, you, if you really look at the last few trades in the NFL, you've had elite level wide receivers go for first, second, and I think a fourth is what Tyreek got traded for. A couple picks as well mixed in there. Right. Um, and I ultimately think, you know, yes, a first round pick is absolutely going to be required to get DK. But I think that third is the kicker here. Obviously, teams are going to be afraid to give up a second because he is not Devontae Adams yet. He is not Tyreek Hill. He probably will be with an elite level quarterback. Sure. And I think Seattle knows where the market's at, knows the projection for DK Metcalf, because if they hold on to him for one more season and they franchise tag him, we kind of talked off air. He's going to have amazing numbers this coming season. That's our expectation. That will be a huge bargaining chip for them going into next offseason. But if I'm the Packers... I go and do this. And I think Seattle knows there's desperation on some of these teams, like the Chiefs, like the Packers, where instead of years past where maybe a second and a third would get this deal done, the market itself completely dictates the value of DK Metcalf. And to me, that's a first, a third, and a fifth. Yeah, I, I totally get your argument there. Um, I just think that they, they'll still pull the trigger on something like a second, a third, and next year's third or fourth round pick. I think that's all it would really take a second and a third, which is still really great value right where he was drafted at. And then next year's, you know, third protected. If he hits a certain threshold, maybe that moves to a second. Right. Um, I, I don't personally think he's at the value of a first round draft pick because we have I a little higher on Russell Wilson than you are. We have seen him with an elite level quarterback and what he can do. And he is fantastic and he's amazing. And he would be great in Green Bay with our Packers 100%. Um, I just don't think it would be necessarily worth it to throw that first round pick at him because like we're mentioning here in the segment is, shit, maybe he doesn't want to be there next year, right? And now you just gave up a first round pick, X round pick, whatever it might be. Um, and you're and the guy's walking out the door back to Seattle or back to a better organization. So. I think a second and a third with a third, fourth protected round pick um, in next year's draft. I think that'd be plenty, but you're a hundred percent right. You make a great point. Like Seattle knows green Bay has two first round picks, two second round picks. Like, okay, give us both those seconds maybe. Right. And we'll give them to you. You know, we're not so, just going to, we're not just going to bend over backwards. If green Bay is the team. So I have a question for you then. We've sure. Done our draft series. We know yeah. all the guys that are available. Think about where the Chiefs pick is and think about where the, the Packers that hold their own pick is at the end of this dra draft. Right. Um, well, I guess the Chiefs traded their pick away. So that the Chiefs are both Chiefs are behind us. Both their first round picks yeah. are behind us. Yeah. Um, okay. With that being said, would you rather have the guys that will fall to that position? You know, we, you know, I would assume here that Jamison is gone. I would assume that Burks is gone. London is gone. Right. So you're looking at the kid from Penn State, maybe. Uh, the kid from you know yeah. North Dakota State. <clears throat> would you rather and have them over the next four years, yeah, or would you rather have London. DK Metcalf? No, I feel you. I'd take DK all day. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 like, and that's and that's just going in there too. As long as you have the the cap space and the capital, like yeah, we'll trade the first and we'll give you a three year deal right now. That's right. Yes, like, I agree with thing, you. Right. Yes, you got yes. the the deal is the big thing because like he's gonna yeah. ask for, and if you're smart, you're gonna take him at probably let's say conservative. Kirk got twenty one, so you probably give him twenty four. Four, 23, 24, yeah. 23, 24. 
perfect. We'll give you that now. Go have your huge season where you should have gotten 30. And now we're getting a seven to $10 million bargain for the next three years. Right. Yep. Um, no, I, I, I think that's a no brainer to answer your question. It's a no brainer. If, if our top five are off the board, if Jameson's gone, Olave's gone, Wilson, uh, Drake, London, and uh, Burks, if they're all gone, hundred percent, you you take DK. You you call well, them up yeah. right then and there. Here, I'll give you our yep. first round for DK right now. Yeah, no, 100%. I absolutely agree with you. And I I think to me personally, Burks is maybe the only guy that I would not prefer to have, but I would take from a value perspective that you talked about with his future contract, having that fifth year option in the first round, because then the next question to the equation here is, okay, say, you know, Burks is probably going to go at 17. Like that's as far as Burks is going to fall. Right. What is it going to take to trade up now with what the saints and the Eagles just did today to get that 15th or that 16th overall pick, you know, as we talked about a first, a third and a fifth or a two seconds and a third, what is it going to take to get that? Is it going to be cheaper to trade up and get Burks while you're also saving money long-term? Sure. Then you just got to hope to God Burks hits, right? You can't miss. You absolutely can't miss. And I think the Chiefs are in a better position here than the Packers are. Obviously, signing MVS, that really does kind of solidify at least, hey, we've got a speed guy. The Packers are the ones here that are definitely in you know, the buyer's market, and everybody knows it, and that's a dangerous place to be. No, 100%. I agree with you. I think all five of those guys, and especially if the Packers could somehow manage to get two of those five guys, are 100% more worth it than bringing on DK just Mm -hmm. for potential um, and cost, right? Like at the end of the day, there is cost. That's that's the biggest factor that everyone would give up a first for DK right now. It's does everyone want to do that? Pay him the 20x million dollars for the next four years, right? That's the big question mark. But I'd take any of the five guys over DK right now, not because I think they're better than him at this moment in time. I think just the potential of all five of those guys. We went over it um, in episode, I think it was 99, right around there, 9900 of the wide receiver draft class. And I think they all have the potential to be quality, above average, potentially Pro Bowl wide receivers in the NFL. So if well, those guys the- are gone, you take them. I see Watson is a lot of the the late first rounds going to Green Bay, please give me DK over that ball. <laughs> I agree with you. Um, the last thing I'll say here is if Seattle chooses not to trade him until, I say, after the draft, they will significantly have lost out on value. I agree. Um, because these teams that do need a wide receiver will now have these rookies, these five rookies, and there may be just a Green Bay or you know, possibly just a Saints if Michael Thomas gets traded or sure. whatever happens there, right? And it's like, okay, well, now we're in the driver's seat. We'll give you a third and a fifth with a contingent you know, fourth into a third. And now Seattle's holding on to DK, and now you're talking about contract issues and then franchise tag. So I do expect before the draft to have a DK Metcalf trade. If not, you said it perfectly. You're, they're picking the phone up that day. We're, what, what do you need, right? We couldn't trade up. Our guys are gone. We're making this deal right now. Well, Matt, as my Christmas comes to an end, your year-long Christmas opens right back up. The biggest present has been placed under your tree. It is Major League Baseball season, my friend. I am 
beyond stoked as well. This is a sports podcast. You and I probably love football equally amount. I'm definitely more into the basketball side of things. You're more into baseball, but I think my love for baseball far exceeds your love for basketball. (laughs) Um, So we're really fired up. If this is your first time here with the pod or you're just joining us here after baseball or excuse me, after football or basketball season, uh, Matt and I, we're going to go through who we think is going to win each division, who we think is going to win each league, as well as the World Series here two days or i guess it's monday so three days before opening day um and then we're going to discuss mvp cy young so we're going to do a full baseball rundown here um we're super stoked once again if you're new matt picked bryce harper to win mvp last year um we ended up doing pretty well on our division picks i had the dodgers making it to the world series to play the yankees i had the storybook ending that was not meant to be um I don't think you even had. Did you have Atlanta winning the division last year? I don't think you even had them winning. I don't the think division so. I think I had year. Philly last year. You were year. in on Philly. Um, so, yeah, we were a little off on that, but that's the beauty of doing this at the beginning of the season because nobody knows. Baseball is 162 games. And honestly, <laughs> one for 10 today, we're hyped. So, hopefully, we get a couple <laughs> good picks for you. I've got odds here for betting. As you know, I'm more of the better on the show. So I've got some odds on what I'm looking at, what Matt's looking at, and some really good flyers to take here at the beginning of the season, in our opinion, that we're super stoked on. So let's get into it. Sweet. So we're going to start off in the American League. So we're going to start off with the AL East here first, who we think is going to win that division. So actually, and I was really shocked to see this on the book, the uh, the outstanding favorite is the Toronto Blue Jays here, followed up by the New York Yankees, Tampa Bay Rays, and the Boston Red Sox. All of them really good value. This is easily the best division in baseball, Matt. Who do you have winning the East and why? Yeah, I think we're probably going to have the same one here. I have Toronto. I think what Toronto brings to the table is a consistent, not only rotation, but lineup uh, with an amplified ability over the Yankees, over the Rays, over the Red Sox. If you look at the rotation, bringing in Kevin Gosman is going to be a solidifier there as a one-two punch with Jose Barrios. Hell yeah. You still have Hunjin Rue, who has been a solid pitcher over the course of his career, has struggled in the last couple of years, but... I think that short in 2020 really did kind of put him back uh, a little bit. And then you have the young emergence of Alec Manoa as well. A very good rotation. They have Jordan Romano at the back end of that bullpen, who was a very good closer last year, very good reliever, but he did actually pitch through the season with a torn meniscus. I think with fully healthy season at that closer position is going to be big for him. And then you just look at the lineup, right? Bringing in Chapman. I think Chapman in that hip injury, we kind of talked about that. I think we have higher expectations for him coming into this season than the past few seasons out there in Oakland. Obviously, Vladdy Jr. is on the team. Bo Bichette, yeah. two of the youngest stars we love. Fuck yeah. Um, I mean, just overall, it's a fantastic team. And I think the balance outweighs the rest of the AL East for me. The Yankees have question marks in that rotation. They have question marks with age. They have question marks with contact. Uh, they have question marks in the bullpen a little bit with Chapman at the end. The Red Sox, question marks all over that rotation. You know, you and I talked about this off air. Chris Sale is on 60-day IL. You absolutely cannot afford to lose 60 days at the start of the season. And I think he's probably out five weeks, maybe four if they're really lucky. But you can't lose a month. And with that division being so competitive, I think the Blue Jays will be able to kind of push these teams away. And finally, with the Rays, the rotation is just not solidified enough for me to really 
put any money down on the fact that they will be able to get to the postseason again this season uh, at the same rate they have in last. It wouldn't surprise me if they make the postseason with the way that their analytics are driven. I do actually have them winning a wild card, but uh, offensively from the rotation, just they're going to have to mix and match a lot. I don't think that wins a division. Yeah, no, for all the reasons you said, uh, I've got uh, Toronto as well. I, I love this team. I picked them to win the division last year. I think it was a little premature. George Springer didn't have the year I thought he was going to have. Um, I expect him to play a significant role on the team this year. Obviously, losing Simeon's going to hurt, right? Like that year that he had um, was an all-star season, right? He went and got that massive deal. Outside of that, they got Chapman, right? And we were both really stoked on it. He's not going to fully bring in the you know, 40, 45 bombs like he hit, but I don't think they need to. I think this is all back on George Springer and Vladdy Jr. I love Toronto. And the other thing that I think is going to be needed to be taken into account, Matt, is they have vaccination laws in Toronto, and they're not going to let unvaccinated players into the country of Canada. And would politic politics aside, my friend, that is going to play a factor. And there's going to be guys that are probably pretty good that, you know, aren't going to be able to go to Toronto that are in their division on the Yankees, on the Sox, on Tampa, you name it. Right. And that is going to be a massive advantage for them. Canada is going to hold strong and the Blue Jays will not be playing in New York this year. So I think that's another huge reason they win the division. Next. Moving over to the AL West. The significant favorites to come out of the AL West are the Houston Astros, the wagon of the Houston Astros. Um, They are a little, they're a little bit of a wounded animal, right? They lost their all-star shortstop, Carlos Correa. We chatted about him a few podcasts ago. Um, they have the LA Angels um, pretty significantly far behind them on the odds at plus 380. And then the young Seattle Mariners, man, with a super awesome roster, a couple huge offseason moves. Uh, Matt, who are you taking for the West? Are you going to go with the favorite? Yeah, this was a very, very hard one for me. Um, I love what the Angels have done this offseason. You know, kind of building together a good starting rotation, putting together a couple of young outfielders in Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele, who performed pretty well this spring. Um, we talked about off the air cutting BJ up or excuse me, Justin Upton. Uh, kind of was a questionable decision. They wanted more playing time for some of their utility guys. But with Otani, Trout, you know, you have Anthony Rendon out there at third base. The offense is just going to be explosive. I think Walsh at first base as well is going to be a guy that can add you 30 to 35 home runs. They're going to have the firepower, but my fear is injuries. Uh, you know, Trout has been hurt the last few years, hasn't been able to stay on the field. Always were afraid of an Otani injury because he just plays so much. So many things can go wrong, either on the base pass or on the mound. I just didn't have the strength to actually pull the trigger. Uh, again, I do have this team actually making the wild card in the Angels, but I'm going to go ahead and take the Astros. I think Justin Verlander coming back, I think we see Verlander just go out there and send it. I think that's the ace you absolutely need. And when you have a division this tight, I think that having that number one ace mentality guy like Verlander is just enough to push them over the hump. Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman to have a bounce back. Uh, Jose Altuve, they've got the offense to also compete with the Angels. So big reasoning here, it's going to be Verlander taking that throne. And Mariners, man, they're going to be so exciting. Julio Rodriguez, you know, probably the top prospect in baseball after Bobby Witt was actually announced today. He'll make the opening day roster. He will play in center field for the Mariners. Awesome. This is going to be a kid that it's just electric out there, right? He's going to be in Acuna, a Tatis, um, but they're just young. 
It's a very, very hard league, the AL. I think they just fall a little bit short, just like last season. Yeah, um, I'm going to go out there and take the Angels this year. I uh, I grew up in Southern California, about ten minutes away from the Big A. So I'm not. I'm still a Brewer fan, but I've always known the struggles of the Angels, and it is health and it's their pitching rotation, right? Usually the bullpen. More as of recently, it's been the starting rotation. But I'm going out on a limb. I just think for some reason Joey Madden's got them dialed in as far as the health, the timing. I couldn't believe that he put together a year like that for Otani last year. If you were around last year, I was a pretty big hater <laughs> not on the skill or what he could do but just the hype i'm like this motherfucker can't play a whole season boy did he make me look stupid i'm all in on the otani train how could you not he's one of the most exciting players in baseball um i think this is the year trout finally finds a way to stay healthy even if that costs him uh 10 points in his batting average right they need him out there he's the leader of that team i love the cinder guard signing if he can stay healthy all year with Otani, with a couple other of the young arms, and one of the top relievers, excuse me, closers in all of baseball, I really think they could edge out Houston. I think for some reason the magic's just going to die out there in Houston. I agree with you. I love Verlander too. I think he has a big year, but he's 40. I think his likelihood of getting injured and not being able to complete the season is a lot higher than Syndergaard then Otani, then the Angels. For some weird reason, I have this Chicago Cubs vibe with this team from the Angels, right? Like solid last year, a little fucked up, had a couple injuries, but I think this is the year they finally go get over the hump and actually play a meaningful playoff series for the second time in Trout's career, really, since Kansas City was winning the World Series and smoking them in the playoffs. Yeah, and I fully agree with you. If Trout can stay healthy, a healthy Trout and a healthy Otani, that which baseball needs that. Bad. Um, and something really big to kind of watch all season, and I hope this is something that the Angels stick to. They're starting the season with a six-man rotation. Part of that is to help Otani, you know, not rush him into starts, not throw off his rhythm. But that six starter is going to be Reed Detmers, uh, the young player that they actually drafted. I think it was from Louisville. A uh, huge strikeout rate in the minor leagues. I want to say it was above 13.7 Ks per nine. Uh, an amazing Jeez. sweeping curveball. He locates well. Came up last year and was absolutely terrible. But there's one thing and one trend I really like to look at for some of these pitchers. Some of the guys that come up and get absolutely lit up turn into aces. Max Scherzer was awful. Lucas Giolito, absolutely terrible. You can't <laughs> judge a guy when he's starting to find his way in the big leagues. So there's a lot of intimidation. There's a lot of control issues. I think if Reed Detmers has a good season, maybe a, a sub four ERA with a high strikeout rate, he could be the reason they do win this division because that kind of a, a fifth, a, excuse me, a sixth starter can take you to another level because it also allows the rest of your rotation to stay healthy, really. No, 100%. I love that. Um, the last division in the American League is the Central. Uh, we're, do you want? Do we need to talk about this? I mean, maybe you want to talk about Minnesota a bit because the White Sox are going to run away with it. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't really care too much about Minnesota. Um, you're right. The White Sox, this is easy pick for both of us. The Tigers, though, are the exciting team here. Yeah, I'm really yeah, bummed yeah. to leave them out of the playoffs because, um, you know, I think they're probably one of the teams, much like the Mariners, like had this gone to 14 teams and a one other wild card. 
they would them and the Mariners would be fighting and you'd have these young superstars emerging players actually battling for that last spot. The Tigers have uh, Spencer Torkelson, who just made the opening day roster, Riley Green, who had an amazing spring. He's going to be an outfielder for them for years to come. Hit over 300 in spring, had an OPS over, I think, 400. Um, and overall, just a fantastic spring. Fouls a ball off his foot, breaks his foot. Last game of spring training. He'll be out six to eight weeks. So that was a huge uh. bummer. But Detroit has a very good and young emerging starting rotation with Casey Myers, Matt Manning, Tarek Skubal. Those guys, if they can take a step forward, Matt Manning especially, he's been awful. Skubal, same thing as Detmer's great strikeout rate, Maya's first overall pick. Those guys can start to become the Max Scherzers that they were drafted to be. You're talking about a team that could actually win this division this season out of absolutely nowhere. That'd you don't expect so it this year. So maybe maybe a flyer on Detroit this year. Just Honestly, for fun. a flyer. A sprinkle. Yeah, I, okay. Yeah, because honestly, you, if you have three pitchers that take a step forward, we've seen it with Milwaukee. You go from like, God, this team is struggling with to win games to nobody has the better pitchers than these guys. Good to know. Good to know. Okay, I, I might toss just a tiny bit, just a little sprinkle on there. It'd be fun if they if they did pull it off, right? Um. So yeah, so we're both taking Chicago. I mean, Chicago's got the best team. Uh, they did just lose their closer to the to the Dodgers. They just traded him away. I we'll, we'll get to the playoffs here in a second. Who we're picking and whatnot, but. I love Chicago. I love their players. They have a really fun team, but the reason they're, they're kind of Mike Gonzaga of major league baseball. If you're not going to get challenged all year, what's going to happen is what happened to them in the postseason last year. Houston came in there, faced the adversity kind of whooped their ass. Um, I expect the same result this year. They lost Rodon. That's going to hurt, but they're definitely winning. They're minus. I got them here. They're minus two thirty to win the division. Yeah. So, I mean, well, in the trade with Kimbrell, uh, they have Liam Hendricks, who is formerly with the A's. He's been with yeah. the White Sox for a few years now. He's their like lock stock closer. Kimbrell cannot be a reliever without being a closer. He's just one of those guys that needs the mindset of I'm ending this game. Right. So I think it was a good trade bringing in AJ Pollock. I don't really know what to expect. I loved him on Arizona good. years ago, but he's a solid, uh, solid outfielder. I think what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to have Luis Robert take a step forward into the MVP conversation. You're going to have to have Eloy Jimenez come back and actually perform in the same classification as Vlad Jr., Tatis, Acuna, like he was supposed to and was touted to be. And then you're going to have to have Jose Abreu pitch or excuse me, hit another good season. Yeah. As well as having Giolito, you know, be Giolito, but Cease, you know, we'll get to Cy Young here in a little bit. Cease is the guy. Unbelievable strikeout rates, has issues with control. His whip is high. ERA is affected by that. Cease, if you can take this step forward, I think that actually might change their playoff um, percentage opportunities a little bit more. Nice. Okay. So let's run through here. So Matt, explain to everyone, because I, I forgot about the new rule here in the new format for the playoffs. How many teams are going to make the playoffs? Yeah. So with the new collective bargaining agreement, 12 team playoff has been approved. That means six from the AL, six from the NL. We'll have three division winners, and then you'll have three wild cards this year. So from the AL East, I have the Blue Jays. From the AL West, I have the Astros. Uh, and then the AL Central, I have the White Sox. Going into my wild cards, I have the Rays, the Yankees, also from the AL East. So we have three teams from the AL East making it. And then finally, I do have the Angels. Uh, a couple of my sleepers, I mentioned the Tigers, the Mariners. Honestly, the Red Sox have to be lumped in there. And then finally, the Royals. Very young, very emerging. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, they, they got our boy, Zach Greinke, who is I terrible. saw that. Yeah, he's done. He's washed, <laughs> he's but that's done. cool. But yeah, young and emerging. So AL is very, very strong this season. Sweet. So uh, I've got Toronto coming out of the AL East. I got the Angels coming out of the AL West. 
Um, I am going to take the Chicago White Sox to win the Central. And then for my wild card teams, I'm going to take Tampa Bay. I'm going to take Boston and I'm going to take Houston. I'm calling it right now, Matt. And this is, you know what? People are not going to like this, my friend. But the New York Yankees will be the L.A. Lakers of Major League Baseball this season. They're going to be the most disappointing team in the season. I don't believe in their arms. I don't believe in their age. I don't believe in their hype. Um, I, I like Tampa Bay and Boston more than them this year. And that's obviously excluding my pick for the Blue Jays. Well, and they haven't had a good spring either. Severino is supposed to come back this year. They're and, just not know, that good. They're just not. It, They're all hype. They're the Yankees, right? They're hype. They're hype. City. hype. I get they, it. They have they have good players, right? They have Judge. You know, Gallo can hit home runs. I think Donaldson, Donaldson in that lineup is nice. Stanton hits home runs, right? Torres, if he bounces back. The issue is the rotation. At the end of the day, there are two sides to baseball. There's defense, there's offense. You can hit right. all the home runs if you, and you, as you want, but if you're also giving up just as many to subpar players, it doesn't matter. And I, I do think with Severino's lack of performance this spring, as well as having shoulder issues yet again, the Yankees are in deep, deep trouble with that rotation. All right, so moving on to the AL MVP and the AL Cy Young. So who are we going to take? For our preseason MVP, I'll give you. I'll run through the top three for both uh, MVP and Cy Young here. So for the AL, it's Otani and Trout. So please, Angels, just stay healthy, goddamn. <laughs> and then Vladdy Jr. Um, I'll go over some of the other sprinkles that I like here. But go ahead. Who are you picking? If he's not on there, I'll also put the odds for them as well. Yeah, I'm taking Otani this season. Um, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and ruin a little bit here. We'll obviously go into depth. I'm taking Otani as my Cy Young. And with Otani in my imagination, winning Cy Young, obviously with the bat, he would obviously take home the MVP as well. I think Otani is going to take a step forward this season on the mound. I did a little bit of a TikTok video breaking down some analytical data of Otani. And if you really look at what Otani's profile is looking to be, it's going to be an ace pitcher. He has a split finger that he just has an amazing K rate with. He had 77 strikeouts on that splitter last season. I expect him to use his cutter a little bit more this season as well. If you look at Corbin Burns winning NL uh, Cy Young last year, it was because he moved to more of a cutter dominant pitch arsenal. And Otani's got a very good cutter through the fastball. I think it was 44.2% last year. I want to see that come down more cutters. He's throwing more cutters. It's going to be weaker contact. It's going to be more ground balls. He's going to have quicker innings. He's going to be able to stay in games longer. And again, with that six man rotation, he should be healthy all season, barring, you know, a catastrophic mistake on the uh, base path. But I look at Otani not necessarily having the same number of starts as guys like Garrett Cole, Shane Bieber, but I look at his raw numbers at the end of the year, and I think those are going to be absolutely dominant. And I think if the Angels can win this division, plus the idea of him hitting home runs, it's going to skew a little bit of the uh, baseball writer's opinion, and they're going to give him votes for Cy Young based off his offense, which should never be a thing. <laughs> but again, you're making votes off how you feel about right. a player. This isn't just, you know, it's not a perfect system. And I think we've seen skewed wins before like that uh, biggest one that comes to mind is when Justin Verlander lost the start the Cy Young years back to Rick Porcello which was an absolute travesty but Otani is going to win an uh, AL MVP for me sure and to your point too man like all that it's going to take is him to throw maybe just a complete game and hit a bomb or hit two bombs mm. or go three for four and they're going to be like, well, if it's between him and uh, we'll just go down here, you know, Shane Bieber or Robbie Ray, whatever it might be. Um, well, they never hit two home runs in a game, the same game that they pitched. So we need to take that into consideration. I totally agree with you. That's a mm -hmm. super smart bet. 
Um, we'll get into the MVP for his odds, but Otani is the favorite right now. I'm actually going to take the third guy on here, Vladdy Jr., which I hope this comes into kind of like a friendly rivalry here, Vladdy and Otani. Vladdy yes. was the runner-up last year. I, um, I'm i all in on the Blue Jays. I was last year. I love Vladdy Jr. Uh, Vlad Guerrero Sr. was one of my favorite players ever, an angel too, of course, right? Um, I, he's at plus 5,500, or excuse me, plus 550 right now. Otani at plus 340. I think that's great value for both of those guys. I think Toronto's going to run away with that division this year, and I think Vladdy, he might hit 50 this year. So um, I think if he does, I think that'll take him over what Otani does, regardless of Otani's skills on the mound. Um, it's just going to be tough. If Otani does end up going a full year on the mound, gets 15, 16 wins, as well as hits for the same average and home runs he did last year or beats Vladdy and homers, it's going to be tough for him, man. But I'm going with Vladdy Jr. He's my pick this year. Um, couple flyers for you, Matt. So I've got Aaron Judge is plus 2,200. I've got Wander uh, Franco is plus 2,200 as well. And Jordan Alvarez as plus 3,000 for AL MVP. I think if Houston has a big year, it's because of Jordan. Yeah, I've got my runners up. Uh, or my, I will call them dark horses here. Devers and Alvarez. I, I perfectly said by you. I and think Devers 2,000 on there. Yep. Yeah, and that's good money. Like Hell both yeah, teams, twenty to the Red one, Sox, absolutely. absolutely. And these are teams that could win divisions, right? MVPs normally come from division winners, right? That's usually the trend. So the Astros win. You know, Bregman has a down season. Altuve has a down season. Alvarez explodes. All the all the reporters are going to be saying, "Well, Alvarez deserves it." Right? Same thing for Devers there. And just to touch on the Otani and Vlad uh, competition that we're going to have through the next few years, I think Otani could, if healthy, say he's healthy for the next five or six years, could turn into the Le- LeBron James effect, where it's like, "Well, you know, yeah, Otani he pitches and he hits and he's great at both, but like, come on, you know, he does it every year." In right. reality, if Otani is healthy and just good at both. He should be the he MVP every it. single yep. year. There is no question. But same thing about LeBron, right? Like there is that LeBron effect because ultimately we don't appreciate what we're watching. But I agree with you, Vlad Jr. Man, he is just incredible. And it's fun. His ten-year-old uh, brother today hit a home run in Little League, going all over the internet oh, right God. now. Is the next big. <laughs> the next I hit a kid. lot of home runs in Little League too, pal. Hey, but you're also not uh, Vladimir Guerrero, uh, you know, son. So there's there's that too, for sure. So. For the Cy Young race, so you just kind of made your pick. You said you're going to go with Shohei Otani. Right now, the top three is Garrett Cole, uh, Shane Bieber, and Robbie Ray. I'm going to run with Bieber. I think he's going to go play for a contract. I think he might even go play to go get traded at some point in time this season. I haven't seen anywhere that, what are they, the Guardians now, um, are looking to trade Bieber. But I could see him having one of those seasons where a team like the Yankees, a team like the Dodgers, give them an offer they can't resist with some money and some prospects with those teams that don't want to win, like the Indians or the Guardians, whatever. I'm going to screw that up for a while. Um, Tend to do all the time. I could totally see that happening. I had Otani on my flyer list here, Matt. So Otani is plus 2,000 to win the AL Cy Young. Same odds as Berrios, as Gosman, as McClanahan. And as Verlander. So all those guys, I feel like you're getting super good value. I had them all circled at that uh, 20 to 1 range. I thought all of that was great value. And I'm honestly, I'm for sure I'm going to sprinkle Otani and probably Verlander. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love Verlander this season. It, you said it best a little bit ago when we were talking about divisions. It's can he stay healthy? He's 40, right? Uh, but he's also pitching for a contract next year. If he hits 130 innings, his $25 million deal is an automatic opt-in by both sides. He will make that money next year. So I think Damn. he's going to be hell fast on, hey, I'm going to come out there and I've got two years left. I'm just going to send it. Um, but I talked about Otani at length. I just want to go ahead and talk about Garrett Cole and Shane Bieber real quick here. Go for it. Shane Bieber had an incredible 2020. Um, Garrett Cole, very, 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 very good 2019. The only reason he didn't win Cy Young is because his teammate, Justin Verlander, was outworldly. But both of these guys, including Verlander in there, have not proven what they can do on the mound at an elite <laughs> level without sticky substances. And if you look at Cole, you look at Bieber, their performances took a little bit of a step back last year after the st sticky substance band. Now, Bieber did have a, a shoulder injury, so I want to give him a little bit of leeway here. I, I do still think he can be elite, more so than I do think Cole can be. I think Cole is going to be a good, not great pitcher now. Um, I do think that Bieber could have 300 strikeouts this season, which would automatically win him AL Crazy. But the shoulder injury concerns me, and I really do believe in Otani. Otani coming to this country from Japan was a much better pitcher than he was a hitter. And if his hitting stats can mirror his pitching stats this season, we're talking about the greatest season of all time, if last season wasn't already that. All right, Matt, and then give us, drop the knowledge on us. <laughs> Who are our rookies out of the AL that pick your AL rookie of the year and then tell me who the hell do I get to root for all season and throw bets on? Uh, for, so we have four big rookies for the AL. The NL is going to be a little bit shorter when we get to that later on. Bobby Witt Jr. for the Royals is my most exciting uh, player here. I think he's going to win Rookie of the Year based off his ultimate polish. He is ready to step in. He's going to be playing third base, possibly some shortstop if Alberto Mondesi struggles for the Royals. Bobby Witt, I'd comp him to A-Rod off the bat. Probably doesn't real, have the same huh? ceiling that A-Rod had wow. of 50, 55 home runs. Again, A-Rod was juiced up, so that kind of brings that to the equation. Doesn't also have the 40 stolen bases, but he's going to hit 30 to 35 home runs in his prime. I would expect 25 home runs this season, 270 batting average with 80 to 95 RBIs. Again, Damn. doesn't play on the best team, so those counting stats are going to hurt. And then secondly, Julio Rodriguez. Talked to him a little bit about the Mariners. Seattle. He is going to be... Right there with Vladdy, Tatis, you know, the, the big names in the sport. Uh, I just think at 21 years old, has not played in AAA. There may be a bit of a learning curve. Had a very, very, very good spring training. But spring training is hard to really grab those stats and uh, flip them over into regular season baseball. We saw Jared Kelnick struggle last year with the Mariners. So I do think that Julio Rodriguez has a very good shot. But I would say it's 75-25 uh, for both of those guys, wit with the advantage there. And then the, the Tigers, I mentioned Spencer, Spencer Torkelson as well as Riley Green, two very, very good emerging players. I just don't think they have the upside and they're not as polished yet as Witt. Torkelson is going to be more polished, but uh, I think also in a bigger ballpark, those counting numbers are going to hurt. Detroit is not a fun place to hit the ball. We kind of no, talked a terrible. little bit about that. Yeah, and, and Baez, when we talked about free agents, is going to struggle there because of that. So I think with that park, you know, not having the ability to hit 40 home runs as a rookie, which Torkelson has the power, uh, is going to hold him back from winning. Moving on to the National League here, getting into, let's go with our team first, uh, the NL Central. One of the biggest favorites to win their division in all of baseball is our Milwaukee Brewers, Matt. What, say what? Who? The, what was it, the 29th lowest free agency spend team in all of Major League Baseball? 
Wow. Um, it's embarrassing. It, it is embarrassing, but when you have one of the top rotations in the league, your fucking small market team can do whatever they want. Uh, it is embarrassing. I do expect the Brewers to fully win this division strictly based off of their starting pitching. Um, I think they win it by about eight to 10 games, right? I think it'll be close throughout the beginning to the middle of the season. But as long as Burnsy stays healthy, Woodruff stays healthy, Freddie Peralta, they have the best closer in the game, Josh Hader. Um, it's kind of a wrap for them, right? And if they can just get fucking Christian Yelich to be a shell of himself, a shell of MVP season, man. I'm talking all I want out of him, Matt, this year, 290, 30 to 33 bombs, right? 100 RBIs, a few stolen bases, and to play 150 games, they run away with the division, in my opinion. I mean, that's arguably MVP, like, uh, like production though it is for me like yeah i, I think I, I feel that but i expect you know like i, I expect I agree. The 45 th- hitting 320 you're freaking out when you see him strike out because he's so damn good right like yeah. that, that's just yeah. not gonna happen anymore right yeah i i, I don't agree think. with you I, th- I think the juice ball really affected his performance into the mvp classification um and we're kind of seeing the the negative ramifications of that now i agree with you the milwaukee wins this easily willie adamas is a player you and i adamas, talked about yeah. off air I think he explodes this season. You know, had a very, very good season once he was straight to Milwaukee last year. Uh, bringing in Hunter Renfro was huge as well. I think yep, Renfro I and Miller, Miller Park, and I know it's not Miller Park, but we are always going to call yeah, it Miller Park yeah. on this podcast. I, I will never, <laughs> never, ever no. call it whatever the fuck. I don't even know what it's called because yeah. I refuse to call it something else. It's I do, but I'm not like, going to It's similar it. to like uh, the Southern California kid in me where the, where the Ducks play. We still call it the mm-hmm. pond if you're from yep. SoCal. It is the Honda Honda Center, Center, and it's been the Honda Center for like (laughs) over a decade, but it will always be the pond. So there's that, right? It's sad, but every every kid from every series series, city has has their ballpark like that too, a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I just think Milwaukee, they are so well built, much like the Rays, very analytically run. Yeah. And they have a rotation. Good manager, as much as good manager. Good GM there, good front office. Um, Aaron Ashby is a young starter slash reliever that is probably going to emerge this season, similar to Reed Detmers, we talked about earlier with a very high strikeout rate, has a sweeping slider. Very good player. If he's not in the rotation, he'll be kind of that fire horse in the bullpen that Hater was before Hater became the closer. Yeah. Doesn't have the same velocity Hater has, but does have that A level one pitch. And that's really big for any pitcher. If you've got that one put away pitch, much like Otani splitter, that just takes you to the next level. Right. Uh, but yeah, Adamus is great. Renfro, the addition. Hopefully, Yelich bounces back. And man, you're talking about a three headed monster. Woodruff, Peralta, Burns. Burns is just absolutely so sick. So sick. And then you got Williams, who's punching walls when I he's was drunk. Say, so, you know? I was going to say, don't forget about broken wrist Williams. We'll see if he's there when we need him the most. He cost us last year. Oh, man. I'll, I'll die on that sword. Uh, moving on to the next big favorite is the LA Dodgers and the NL West. The Dodgers, they beat the White Sox. They're minus 240 to win the division. Um, they were massive favorites last year, and the Giants came out of nowhere, had one of the best seasons in MLB history, in my opinion. I know they didn't win the World Series, but God, were they just such a sick team or such a fun team? The ultimate Cinderella story in baseball to to win that many games for a team that had no business winning that many games was awesome. Uh, the Padres are plus 350, those San Francisco Giants plus 600, and then everyone else is way over plus a thousand. Let's be honest, um, it's gonna be really fun to watch Chris Bryant hit 500 foot home runs, but the Rockies are trash, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, 
I've got the Dodgers winning here for obvious reasons. I'm not going to sit here and pick pick winners this, without picking the Dodgers. You'd be an idiot not to pick them, in my opinion. Yeah, I, honestly, and I don't, this might be a hot take, but if the Dodgers had not signed Freddie Freeman, I could have seen them having a L.A. Lakers-like season. <laughs> They're starting now. I don't, let me see if you know this, Matt. Do you know who Tyler Anderson is? I've heard of him. Yeah, I have okay. heard of him. It's just because I live here, though, and I follow the yeah. Dodgers a little bit. That If I didn't live in California, I wouldn't know who he is. Yeah, he's, he's a nobody. And, and, and this is, I've number... heard of him. I don't, it's not, no, yeah. I don't know him. I've heard of him. He's going to be their fourth <laughs> or fifth starter. My the concern, problem. yeah, is after Bueller, right? After Urias. Can I interrupt you, Kershaw. too, really quickly, yeah. too? It's always funny. Like, the Dodgers, for since they signed that deal with Spectrum, which was uh, at least over a decade ago now when Magic Johnson and the group call came in, they've always had that one guy that they're missing. Like, they, every single year, like the Brewers, yeah, they have their three-headed monster, but at least they have the bullpen to make up for a terrible fourth starter, right? Like, you, if you get to the fifth inning for the Brewers in that bullpen, you'll be fine on that fourth starter. The Dodgers have always had, like, two studs, Kershaw, someone else, Kershaw, another guy, and another sort of guy, and there's always been the liability, right? I it, I don't know why it's so interesting, and, and you're, I know you're going to make that point a little bit right now. It's just so funny to me. They've never really fully tightened up that rotation. Even the year they won the the World Series, they had Urias coming in to do like a long relief. Well, and it's a, it's a it's an issue with the way that they approach their rotation. You just talked about Urias. He was supposed to be up at twenty, like he was, and be healthy, entering from the bullpen rotation, True. just like Hader, just like Ashby's going to from Milwaukee into the rotation, like Kopech's going to do for the White Sox. And boom, there you go. You got your fifth starter, who becomes your second starter in two years, all wrapped up. He has a terrible outlet thoracic shoulder injury that was almost unrepairable. I remember that. And thought his career was done. Yeah. Um, found a way to come back miraculously. Then you have to go out and, you know, trade for uh, Bauer, uh, excuse me, sign Bauer. So, you know, you're allocating money there. Then you have to go ahead and trade for Max Scherzer. So you're giving away Josiah Gray, who's a guy that could have played that Urias role. So the way they build their team is very different from Milwaukee. They're not drafting, developing, signing, developing. They're just filling holes. And as right. you fill those holes, you let guys slip away. But to have Tyler Anderson in your rotation is an absolute travesty to me. I mean, partly <laughs> because... Bauer is, you know, exiled from Major League Baseball right now. But so he's still out. Like he's not. He's, he's not, not on the in roster opinion, right he's on, not, at all. I mean, he's he's in that Deshaun Watson situation where it's like, but you, way worse on the him. team. But the the league is going to suspend you, and if not, the team isn't going to let you play for him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's out. Like he, he's, he's going to have to find his Cleveland. Or I was going to say he's going to need to go play in like Texas or in yes. Milwaukee or or in Anaheim. Miami or eh. I don't know. Maybe Anaheim, right? Like, it's it's the calif it's the politics of it, right? Like, and we're not going to really get into right, wrong, you know, mm -hmm. legality of it. But like, it's it's how is the fans? How is how is the organization going to perceive you, right? And unfortunately, in a city like L.A., he can go fuck himself to them, right? And I, yeah, yeah, that's a great way to please. Got to go find his Cleveland for sure. Um, well yeah, said. he's got to find his Cleveland. And I, and I honestly, I think the Angels are a good fit because if you look at a fan base perspective, so sick. Your marketing is based off what you said, how your fans feel, and feel how you want about Bauer's situation, guilty or not guilty. The Angels have been so desperate for pitching. I think their desperation for pitching 
overrides the allegations. They're just going to be happy to be like, oh, thank God we have a starter we can really rely on, right? <laughs> right. Truthfully, I think psychologically that would be what the Angels fans think. It could work in Anaheim, but you're right. It might have to be like a Texas Rangers where, hey, their rotation is awful. They put a ton of money into these guys. Go get some more money allocated to Bauer and he can kind of repair his image slowly. Right, 100%. Um, the last division here is, this is a really, <laughs> we made this mistake last year. We thought this was going to be the best division in baseball. <laughs> um, they ended up sucking, but the winner of the World Series came out of this division. So uh, the NL East got the defending champs, the Braves, the Mets, who unfortunately just lost to Grom indefinitely. So, you know, we, we'll talk about this here in a second. You and I both kind of think he's done. Um, and then the Phillies, man, the dark horse of the division here. So I'll let you go first because, we had a nice talk and we we're like, oh, we need to record this, but let's talk about our champion in this. We're, we're three for three in the NL. Yeah, I, I love Philadelphia this year. And I, I loved Philly last year. I As we talked about in the intro here today, I had picked Philadelphia. I just didn't foresee that lineup being as bad as it was last year. And Harper had the year I expected him to. And I think Harper is going to have even a better season this year. The signings of Schwarber and Castellanos are going to only elevate Boom. that lineup. You have Reese Hoskins back at first base that's going to hopefully be healthy this season. Really, their only hole is going to be second, third, and short. So kind of the offensive production <laughs> from uh, Gene Segura as well as Didi Gregorius. And then the decision, are they going to start Bryson Stott from UNLV at third? Or are they going to keep Alec Bohm, who they drafted third overall? That's been a really bad position. But Gregorius and John Segura aren't bad players. They're just not guys that are out there battling for MVPs. Right. I mean, JT they're good Rio bottom Ruta. of them. They're good bottom of the lineup, dudes. Though, right? Like, yeah, Didi's absolutely. Nice and Segura. You know, he's a he's a savvy vet at this point in time in his career. Hundred percent. Correct. So the hole is third base. Um, they've got the ace level pitcher in Zach Wheeler, who yep. I personally think overperformed. Uh, his actual performance last year, oh, I think we a remember. lot of his numbers. Yeah, I hated <laughs> oh, him last we year. remember. <laughs> um, I, I'm not going to go as far to say I'm guaranteeing an injury, which yeah. I was wrong on. <laughs> hey, it, it came in spring. I wasn't wrong. It just came a lot later than I thought. Um, yikes, that was a bad take. Yeah, but you went in on him. <laughs> I did go in on him. Um, I think he has another good season. Probably not a Cyan caliber season, but a good season. Aaron Nola is the question mark here. Aaron Nola had a terrible spring training, had a very, very bad 2021. Fucking Nola. Ranger Suarez is my kicker here. They've got a third guy in that rotation that I'm happy with. So um, after him, you've got Kyle Gibson, formerly of the Rangers, and then you've got Zach Eflin. Not stoked on their bottom of the rotation. Not stoked on um, on Aaron Nola, but dude, Schwarber, Castellanos, Harper. Holy What's shit. not to love? Yeah. And that was the thing. I, we, were, we were talking about who we're going over before we hit record. And I was like, dude, like, I like the Braves. I picked the Braves last year to win the division. I said, you got to take down the champs. They obviously had a they had a rough season and just got hot at the right time to win the World Series. Not taking anything away from them. But that's what I said, man. I was like, fucking, they got Castellanos. They got Harper. And you're like, oh, don't forget they signed Carl Schwarber, too. And I was like, all right, I'm all in. Like, these dudes are going to ball out at citizens bank park if it's still called that man they're gonna hit so many dingers there that offense is gonna carry them to wins that they shouldn't have that offense is gonna carry them to games um to blow people out to give the starting rotation a rest um and i'm a believer in wheeler so i uh, i'm high on philly i got them all day 
Alrighty then. So we just said who we're going to have come out of the National League and win each division. So Matt, I'll let you go first, just like we did for the American League. Who are going to be your six playoff teams? Let's rock it, man. Yeah, so for the NL West, I took the Dodgers. Again, I think you would be stupid if you do not choose the Dodgers. NL Central, I'm taking our favorite Milwaukee Brewers. And then the NL East, I am going back to the favorite. I'm going Philadelphia. (laughs) The wild card teams here, got to take the Padres. I think there's no no decision against the Padres. Obviously, rotation is a little bit of an issue this year. They did just trade for Sean Manaya. You know, Tatis is out for the first basically half of the season. Machado should step up. And then finally, I'm going to wrap it up with the Braves and the Mets. So the NL East taking three teams. It's going to be very hard. They're going to beat up on each other. You'll probably talk about that when you add your wildcard teams. But I just love these teams. I love the talent of these teams. And I have some concerns for the Giants and the Cardinals. Those are the teams that are just on the outside of the bubble for me. I think that the Mets with DeGrom ultimately coming back midseason and Scherzer will find a way to get in. And I cannot not have the Braves who just won the World Series not in the playoffs. So those are my teams. Yeah, we can't disrespect the Braves like that. I'm definitely not going to. So, yeah, I had Milwaukee. I have the Dodgers and I had Philly. So I have the same division winners as you. Um, I'm also going to take the San Diego Padres. I'm also going to take the Atlanta Braves. But I am actually uh, I I was going back and forth between Mets, San Francisco and St. Louis. I think those are the three bubble teams that we'll see here at the end of the year. I'm actually, and I've gone back and forth about this, but I'm going to take San Francisco, man. I think San Francisco makes their way back. I like Kapler. I like their starting pitching. I know they lost a guy, but they got Rodon back. Um, There's some magic in the Bay Area. You know, I I just don't know what it is up there, but I love the program that they have up there. Their roster out of those three teams, Matt, St. Louis, and themselves, definitely the worst, but I don't want to disrespect what they did last year as well um i'm gonna take san francisco to make it uh don't love it but that's what i'm gonna do yeah and you and i had a really good conversation before we started recording today you know i think if we could just record our pre-podcast uh conversation sometimes it's absolute gold because it's just me and you just as sports just fans around. here yeah. talking right and the conversation was built on hey the cardinals are in a really bad division right there's the mets the braves exactly. the phillies we like all of them. I have them making the playoffs, but you said, hey, like they're going to beat up on each other. And I was like, damn, you know what? You are right. Like their rosters are better than St. Louis, but competition wise, they got to play these guys 40 times a year. You know what I mean? It's Correct. a lot of games. And I looked at St. Louis's rotation just because I knew that was their biggest weakness. And we talked about the names and it's kind of concerning. So I, I'm kind of going to list them off for you guys just because that's going to be the point of reference as to why you and I both didn't pick them. Um, Jack Flaherty has the labrum issue, has a small tear where the labrum connects to the bicep, is out for the first, eh, we'll say month. It's 30 games. It's a lot of games to be out. Could be out six weeks. It's also a lot of games. After Flaherty, you have Adam Wainwright, Stephen Matz, Miles Michaelis, Dakota Hudson, and a filler. That is not a good rotation. <laughs> no, that is a team that could lose two of three to the Cubs, could lose two of three to the Pirates, could lose two of three to the Reds. So yeah, it's a bad division, but when you have such a black hole like a rotation, I think where the, you're picking the Giants, it's because they've got a proven rotation. They have a proven pitching coach and manager. They know how to run out there and limit runs, right? Correct. The Cardinals are going to have trouble with that. And when you have trouble limiting runs, bad teams beat you. Same thing in football, same thing in basketball. So Cardinals fans, I'm sorry. We just can't jump on the bandwagon this season. Um, but damn, you know, I, I like the Giants pick. I, I am just 
I'm it's waiting tough. to see what happens. You it's know? tough. Yeah, these teams are all good. And I think the last thing about the Cardinals that kind of pushed me off the ledge on taking them is they did have to win like 20 games in a row to get into the playoffs last year, mm. right? And the likelihood of them going on that good of a run, honestly, at any point in the season isn't very high, you know? So I, I just don't like that. I expect the Mets to have a much better season than they did last year. And I do expect the Giants to be competitive, more than competitive. I really do. Kapler is super underrated. And like I said, there's just some magic out there. And you hit the nail on the head. They know how to limit runs. They have a professional rotation. And they have a bunch of no-name guys that are scrappy and are going to play baseball, in my opinion, the right way. Not the sexiest way, but the right way. You bump runners over. You get base hits when guys are in scoring position. You win games ugly, man. Um, not necessarily the recipe to win a World Series, but definitely a recipe to get you in the playoffs. Moving on, so we've got the NL MVP odds here. Let me flip over on my pen and pad today, which I'm working with and I'm stoked on. So the favorite to win NL MVP is Juan Soto out in Washington. And then we have Acuna second at plus 900. Then your boy, Bryce Harper, at plus 950. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and then Francisco Lindor. The reason I read off eight people, or excuse me, six people, is because... I don't know if I can take Soto. Soto, I feel like, is the obvious answer. I feel like he's the guy that probably wins it, man. But on that Washington Nationals team, Matt, he's going to have to hit 50 bombs. He's going to have to hit 310, right? 100 RBIs, stolen bases, playing the field. Um, They're going to have to be somewhat competitive, man. He's going to have to have one of those Mike Trout years when Trout was either first or second in MVP, even though the Angels just sucked, right? And I'm not saying he can't do that. I just don't want to pick that. Um, Acuna, big question mark still to me coming off the ACL. I think he'll be fine. Um, and then Harper, I just don't think he's going to go back to back. And then this is another thing we were chatting about, and I'm going to run with this basically for the rest of the pod here is I'm not going to pick any Dodgers player because you can't tell me that they're valuable when the entire lineup is stacked, you know, and that's just the, the valuable argument is never going to be in the favor for guys like Mookie Betts, guys like Freddie Freeman. Not that they're not phenomenal players, but how can you say Freddie Freeman is the most valuable player when his counterpart is literally the same odds as him to win it, right? So who I'm going to take this year, Matt, and I know you're mad about this because I snaked you and that's why I wanted to go first. <laughs> I'm going to take Frankie Lindor to win the MVP. Now, that doesn't make sense because I didn't take them to get to the playoffs, but I, I, I'm probably going to be wrong there. I think Frankie has the year that I expected him to have last year. I think there's a little less pressure from the media, at least nationally, maybe not New York. I don't know. I have a weird feeling about Frankie at plus 1,800. Listen, I love Frankie, and we did. We talked about this. You told me first who you were taking as NNL, and I had some silence because I was like, <laughs> damn. Um, I love Frankie Lindor. As much as I disliked uh, Wheeler last season, if you're a continuous fan of this podcast, you heard it. I, on the opposite end of the spectrum, love Frankie Lindor. But I am going to change this out of the <laughs> blue here. Um, that one's I'm rolling with Bryce Harper on a back-to-back MVP. Let's it, go. And I... For, for any of you that don't listen to us regularly or don't even know me, 
I have loved Bryce Harper since the beginning of time. He since I heard his him. name, yeah. I've loved. I've had a phone case with Bryce Harper on the back of it for what, Matt? Three, four years? You would make fun of me every I day? I think a lot longer. We lived <laughs> together. It was almost about five years ago when we were roommates. So it was before then, too. So yeah, of course I, I make fun of you. You and those tight jeans, dude. <laughs> my tight jeans and my Bryce Harper <laughs> phone case. Great pairing. Great pairing. Um, how times have changed. But we talked kind about of. it. Kind of. Kind of. Um, Castellanos and Schwarber, what Harper did this spring and what Lindor did this spring was amazing too. I just see the evolution of Bryce Harper becoming and ultimately surpassing Mike Trout as the generational talent. Mm. And I think the MVP this season that he will win will start to re-etch history. And as if Trout gets hurt again, you know, that's just one more knock on him. If right. Harper can come out over the next two or three years and win two MVPs, win a world series, you're talking about a completely different, you know, conversation here down the road. But this season, what Harper did last year with no protection in that lineup, he guessed Schwarber and Castellanos. Are you kidding yeah, me? I mean, honestly, I didn't even see the odds for it, but I'd even throw a flyer on Castellanos. Honestly, yeah, like love it. Homie had it, it, his numbers in uh, Cincinnati last year were outer worldly, bro. Mm -hmm. And if they, he has numbers like that and they go on and win the division like you and I think they can, like. You just said it when we we're talking AL division winners are going to obviously get their name put in the paper, their name talked about on ESPN and MLB network and whatnot. Right. So um, I, I do love the pick. I do. That's why I'm, I kind of like dislike my pick a little bit because I don't think the Mets are going to be there. But that's also because I bet against the Mets literally in one money last year <laughs> doing that. So. I just have I once this my Gonzaga thing or excuse me my North Carolina Kansas thing all over again right I just have a a skewed memory of last year so but but listen like Lindor doesn't have a Castellanos and a Schwarber you know they sure. signed Starling Marte right they brought in Marcana they've got Pete Alonso Pete's Pete's a really good baseball Pete's player. a good player yeah um but if Lindor comes out and hits three thirty with thirty five home runs and they make a wild card. Or they win the division. If the Mets win the division and he does that, he's a oh, runaway a MVP. And I think that's his season. 330, 35 home runs. I think he absolutely gets back to form. I just love Harper. And I think Harper could hit 330 and hit 50 home runs. <laughs> and it, Dude, so he both went on players. a terror at the end of the oh. season last year. Yeah, and we talked about it, right? I mean, that was that's what I expect from him all season long. So a couple flyers on the MVP first, Matt, before we get into the Cy Young here. Uh, I said I had Lindor at plus 1,800. That's kind of <laughs> bad odds. Uh, we've got Yelly and Fernando Tatis at plus 3,000. We know Tatis is going to be out. Um, Yelich, you never know. We talked about it, right? If the Brewers blow everyone out, he has a big season. I think that's good value. And you hit our other guy, the Brewers. Willie Adamez, I know not a household name, but he is the reason the Brewers took off last year and a big reason they didn't succeed in the playoffs. He was kind of cold. Um, I think he's the reason they maybe get the number one seed or the number two seed in the NL this year. He's plus 6,500. So I think he's a good flyer as well in the NL MVP. Anyone else that I didn't go over here? No, I, I like those names a lot. Um, they're better than my CJ Crone and Ty France dark horses Correct. last year. Hey, Correct. good seasons. Didn't come close. Um, but I, I really do. I think Adamus is the guy. And you said it right there. Adamus, Castellanos, guys that are going to play on division winners that could have a season above what they've had before. And if they've had good seasons, like Castellanos was a way above average last year. And Adamus, once coming to Milwaukee, was very, very good. Super good. You take the next step. 
you outperform Harper, you outperform Yelich, you might be the guy that just gets enough first place votes to win the MVP. Um, Lindor, I think, honestly, is a dark horse. You know, me and you feel very 100%, strongly 18 about ones. He's six yeah. guy on there. Yeah. Um, I I know that we're we're looking at numbers and we talk more sports because we do this twice a week. But Lindor is probably the dark horse for all of the amateur fans out there. Like he 100%. is the guy we believe in, and I believe in Adamus not nearly as much as I believe in Lindor, though. But two guys to toss 10, 20 bucks on, um, I think there's a great shot that that money comes home. Moving on to the NL Cy Young. So the top three guys out here for the NL Cy Young are Max Scherzer, Corbin Burns, and Walker Bueller of the LA Dodgers. Um, our guy Corbin won last year. I'll just go out there and go first. I'm running with him again. He hasn't lost a step. The cutter looks more electric this year than it did last year. We went over the odds. The Brewers are minus 170 to win the division. I expect Burnsy to have over 20 wins, that sub one whip, the sub two ERA. Um, and if he does, I, I think he's a shoe in again to be the NL Cy Young. Honestly, I do. I think plus 750 is great value. I love Scherzer on there and Bueller as well. But Bueller, I just talked about it for NL MVP. I'm not going to take any Dodgers for anything. It's just not worth it. Yeah. And nowadays, the voters are really looking at the underlying numbers. They're looking at what your XFIP is, what your expected ERA is, what your XWOBA is. Those are some numbers that I talked about with the Otani post that we have on TikTok. And for the average fan, you don't necessarily know what those mean, but really to break them down in a simplified version, is it It comes down to how efficient are you without the, the variables around you affecting your ERA. And when you look at Corbin Burns' underlying numbers, they're absolutely disgusting. I mean, he <laughs> was able to win Cy Young last year at, at what did we say, 167, 169 innings? Yeah, Normally, super that small. doesn't even get you in the conversation. He had over 220 strikeouts, though. I mean, the guy was untouchable. We picked him. Any time out, he could throw a no-hitter if he can just pitch long enough into the game. Right. And Milwaukee doesn't have a seven-run lead, so they pull him early. Um, I agree. I think he has the absolute odds on favorite. I'm going to go with the dark horse, though, because I think Burnsy is such a runaway here. Um, Scherzer has injury concerns. I don't think he'll be in that rotation enough. I think if the Mets are doing well, they'll save some of his arm. Bueller, again, you said it off the year. He'd have to win 30 games with a two ERA. Just doesn't strike out probably, enough people. Yep. And I think Zach Wheeler probably gets hit by a bus. So um, <laughs> I'm going to go out there and throw out you Darvish as my 2022 NL Cy Young winner. And I want to just throw some numbers at you here. You Darvish had an absolutely terrible second half of the season last year. If you look at his post all-star break ERA, it was a 6-1-6. Awful. If you look at the overall um, performance of you, Darvish, though, he started the season with a 2.13 ERA, followed by a 2.20 ERA and a 3.07 ERA from April, May, and June. I think Darvish last year was really a victim of the shortened 2020 season. Darvish had shown in the past couple of years that he was making a turn from his time with the Dodgers and the Cubs, and especially with the tweaks to his mechanics this offseason, I think you're going to start to see him actually stretch himself out and pitch deeper into games and have long-term availability for that team while being productive. He has seven pitches in his pitch mix. He has the opportunity to really lean on that splitter that Otani also throws. I'd say they're probably the two best splitters in the game. So I'm taking you, Darvish, as my Cy Young winner. 
Yeah, interesting pick. Um, I didn't even have him written down on my notepad here for odds, but I can promise you he's greater than 20 to 1 because that's mm-hmm. the highest I have here, who is uh, Jacob deGrom's at 20 to 1 plus 2,000. Uh, unfortunately, it's not looking good for him for this season. But if you did want to take a preseason flyer on him, I'm sure those odds will get better. I wouldn't take them yet. Uh, another guy that I had on here at 17 to 1 was Logan Webb. I could see him having a massive season as the number one. Um, and I did highlight Wheeler uh, just because I picked Philly to win the division. If he does, if they do end up winning the division and he has a year similar, if not better than last year, he'll be in the conversation. But honestly, I, I feel great about Burnsy. I feel great about Bueller. The top three guys should be the three guys barring injury that are going to be in the conversation all year. I do. I do like your point with you. I do remember him having a really solid start to the year. Um, the sticky stuff and yeah, the, the dead arm killed him last year. Yeah, and listen, I I am not saying that you Darvish is the best pitcher. I just lean on Robbie Ray and Corbin Burns last year and think to myself, how often in the near future are we going to have guys that we just totally expect to be the best pitchers actually win the award? I mean, Robbie Ray was a one-year contract guy. He's the obvious choice. And Burns is the obvious choice this year. Like, Do you ask me who I'd rather have for one game? I'm picking Burns over Darvish. It's not even a thought. But I just think that injuries play a role, and I, and I want to pick somebody that I think has a bounce back in 2022 because the 2020 and 2021 season was very unfair to some of these guys, especially the veteran, the older pitchers. So Darvish, it's a risk. You're my boy. wrap it up this is our world series picks it is april the 4th so we got a lot of time to cash these in here but i'll let you go first matt who do you think is coming out of the nl who do you think is coming out of the al and who do you think hoist the trophy at the end of this season all the way in october this hurts my soul maybe november um, yeah november Hurts my soul a lot. I'm taking the Dodgers in the NL. Um, I, I just think ultimately that offense is going to be very hard to beat. The rotation, while we have some concerns in the playoffs, it's really a three or four man run at it. And Dustin May will be back by playoff baseball. That kind of shores up that Tyler Anderson issue that I talked about. Um, and May is amazing. Mixed with Bueller, Urias, Kershaw, hopefully will be able to go out there and be serviceable. And then from the AL, I have our Blue Jays. I think it is their time to hoist the AL trophy. But ultimately, I have the Dodgers winning the 2022 World Series. And the Dodgers right now on paper coming into the season are plus 450 to win the whole Mm. goddamn thing. So not great value there. Um, I'm going to take an absolute flyer for the NL. I don't think that the Dodgers will do it. I think they will choke. It's inevitable. They do it every single year. For some reason, they just don't know how to finish the game. I think they kind of run into being the victim of analytics, kind of overthink things sometimes. And shit, injuries and stuff happens. Scherzer's arm fell asleep mid-playoff run last year. Sucks to suck, right? Um, I'm going to take you, Darvish, in the San Diego Padres. I'm going to take the Padres to come out of the NL this year. I like them a little bit more than I like Atlanta or Milwaukee, who are the other two teams that I were um debating between and then i'm going to take the blue jays and i'm taking the blue jays to win the whole goddamn thing this year let's go i think the blue jays i'm really like and i don't want to make this a whole like political deal here but i really think the covid stuff i don't i'm just curious to see which really good players 
aren't vaxxed, right? And like who is not going to be able to go to Canada? Like that is a massive, massive advantage that the Toronto Blue Jays have. Like not, I'm surprised not enough people are really talking about that. And on top of that, like outside of that point, their team is stacked. I love Laddie Jr. I've, I've said this already on the pod. I love George Springer. I'm a huge George Springer fan. Chapman was a great deal. They've shirred up their rotation. If their pitching can stay healthy, they have one of the best rotations in all of baseball. Um, I think this is Vladdy's time. Though. Like I think this is the year. He has his Shohei year, and his team just happens to be a lot better than the Angels, man. Um, I'm all in on Toronto this year. They are the second uh, least favorable odds to win the World Series at plus 850. I'm all in on them this year. I can't wait. I picked them to win the East last year. I'm picking them to win the whole thing. Let's go, Blue Jays. Let's go, Canada. It's still be something we have to follow all season. It's just a topic that I'll bring up now. We'll go into depth on it in later episodes since we have run a little bit longer here on this one, you know, full baseball breakdown. But come playoff time, what if MLB tells the Blue Jays, because Canada has not lifted these you know, requirements via COVID, that you can't play come at home? US, yeah. You got to play. You know what I mean? You can't tell the wild. Yankees. Hey, you know, Judge, Donaldson, Rizzo. Stanton, right? Yeah, like, all of them are unvaxxed, but you got to go play four games possibly in Toronto because, you know, the Blue Jays are the one seed. I think right. Major League Baseball could really say you got to go back to that minor league field that you were playing at a couple in, during COVID times. That could be really interesting. We'll have to follow that to a detail because if, if Major League Baseball does not, they've got a walk to the world series you would think right and this is assuming that some of the superstars are i have no idea so we'll see man well everyone thanks for hanging in there on the longer episode today but it's baseball season baby we're back um don't think that we haven't forgot about the nba we'll be talking about the association come this thursday episode as well as jumping into our nfl draft series as always follow us on tiktok twitter and instagram at pitcher bet pod we'll see you guys thursday later